Hello, welcome to Human Tech, a podcast about the intersection between humans and technology. My name is Guthrie. I am here with Susan. Hello. Hey How are you feeling? Um, I'm still, uh, I have this like chest cold thing and I'm feeling a little better, but I'm going to be muting when I start coughing. Yeah. Because no uh, one wants to hear that. Uh, so of course, uh, now that we just started the uh, the podcast, uh, someone has come. FedEx has come to the door. Of course. So you know that's so so this so is yeah. The great, reality. This is real life. Great start. Uh, forty five seconds in. It's forty five seconds in, and we're already having like sound issues. It's amazing. Uh, you know, you're yeah, you're you're, uh, you're you're coughing, so it might be one of those. Might be it one might of be one podcasts. of those podcasts. Mm. <clears throat> now I'm coughing. <laughs> um, so today's topic is uh, I wanted to get back to um, uh, a bread and butter topic. Uh, kind of practical, to, not not yeah, not theoretical. Theoretical, not not high stakes. A little yeah. more l- lower personal, not uh, high stakes for for individuals, but not like okay. for society or anything. Okay. Um, and that is uh, something that you know a little bit about because you uh, have have had many different jobs over your career, uh, and the want to talk a little bit about, especially in the UX field, about burnout, about when um, you, signs you're being stretched too thin, uh, how to know. Um, if you if if you're being stretched too thin, how to how to identify if it's affecting your work, what to do about it, uh, how, how do you um, try and make a lot of money and move up in the in your career if that's what you want to do, um, but also still prioritize um, not working a ton. Okay. And I guess I wanted to start with the with a little bit of context. Okay. Um, because it, <laughs> this is going to sound strange, but do you, have you ever do you know anyone who is a highly functional alcoholic? Okay, that is a really strange question. No, not that I know of, but you know. Wow, that's amazing. I know. I know a lot of highly. Functional you know a lot of people who are highly. Well, functional. I had to go to law school. I, I don't even know a lot of alcoholics. I don't think I've ever known a lot of alcoholics. Well, that's you, the thing is that so part of it is you wouldn't you wouldn't know you wouldn't know that they were highly. But functional. if you kind of know no, them, I, watch I, them. I mean, I know I've known a couple of alcoholics, and they were not highly functional. Glasses of wine. So, so I'm going to say not that I know of. Okay. All right. So you're, you're maybe the wrong person to talk to. You do not. Um... Okay. So goodbye. Does that mean I should just hang up because I'm the wrong <laughs> no, person? No, no, no. Just, just for this one. Just for oh, this one okay. For point. this one example question. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. The because um, uh, because you know you're you're not you're not a, a big drinker yourself. So it, no. it, it's sort of maybe like uh, I don't hang out. You don't, hang you don't out. run gonna, in those it's a, circles with other yeah, people. Yeah, I'm not going to be hanging out with people who are having. Um, so. I know I know a number of highly functional alcoholics throughout my my life, and it's it's sort of like like it's not good, you know. It's like a bad thing, right? You don't you don't want to be an alcoholic. It is. It's bad for your health, it's mental bad. and physical. Yeah. But um, but it doesn't seem to 
impact their ability to work well. Uh, and it is a, I mean, maybe alcoholic is a, maybe a colored term, but, um, it, it, you know, they, it, it seems to be, at least in this particular uh, period of their lives, like the type of lifestyle they want to lead in some ways. Um, and of course, the, the, the danger is that you return from highly functional to not very functional uh, alcoholic, and, and that's that's a bad thing. Well, also, awesome. you know, it's a disease, so yes. it yes. may be hard to stop. So this is maybe like the worst analogy ever. Yeah, but really. Do, Why are we talking about this? Because I know some people who are workaholics. Oh, okay. And it's sort of similar. Like, yeah, it's maybe you know, this, not the best. Yeah. They're all, they're like they're yeah. stressed a lot of the time, but but they they are highly functional and they seem to be able to exist in this highly stressed, highly like work all the time state for just decades Re- they sometimes can, a really long time they yeah. can just sort of like continue in in what, what would burn a normal person out so like yeah, if i yeah. if i was partying and drinking in the same way that you know you know a highly functional alcoholic was you like i would it. burn out in you know in two weeks right. i, I, I need like saying. a so some, nap i, so I the, keep it the up. amount of so people vary in terms of how much work you know, if we talk about work-life balance, in terms of how much work they want to do, or for whatever reason, they they vary. You're saying they vary in their ability to to do that. For some people, they can do it. They can work a lot and seem to function really well. In fact, they seem to want to do that. And for other people, maybe they can do it for a while, but then it's too much. And for some people, they just cannot do that much work in their life is just too much. Is that Especially what Especially work under load. Yeah. Right. There's a difference between, um, uh, you know, uh, working a lot of hours, but yeah. maybe it's fun. Maybe it's Yeah. Relaxed. Maybe it's not super stressful. Uh, and, uh, working, you know, maybe less hours, but it is just Really, it's very high. It's very intense, very demanding. Um, you know. Okay. Very hard, and so the you know those things sort of balance out. Um, I have worked, uh, sort of uh, back back in my in my youth, uh, you know, retail clothing, you know, clothing retail, you know, mall jobs, and there's a lot of downtime, standing around, being bored. Um, and, uh, if you have a good group of people working there, you can chat and have fun. And, you know, in that particular case, I believe I was getting paid, I think $5 and 75 cents an hour. Big bucks. Really, really big bucks, uh, back in the day. Uh, but you know, so, so even though there were maybe a lot of hours, you know, that the time went by easily enough because it was not hard. Versus I could imagine, you know, someone in the ER or, you know, some, some other very, uh, we, <laughs> we have a client and, um, who, and, and there is a person who works uh, at this company and it's sort of, uh, her job to schedule 
all the meetings for like the C-suite, you know? And so these are people who never have enough time and everyone's trying to get a hold of them. And she's playing like seven dimensional chess, scheduling all the meetings. Cause all the meetings with the C-suite, it's not just like with one, it's like you need like six, you know, VPs or whatever to all get in the room together. And they're, you know, they have like, like half an hour every third week available. She gets stressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you can know, tell like, in the emails she sends out to the non-C-suite people uh, in but, all capital letters. But it doesn't. But it doesn't matter, right? Because well, okay, not it. it, it she deserves ever to 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 do whatever she needs to do that because that is a very demanding, high stakes, difficult job. Yeah. That where where there are never any good times that work. And right. Every nobody's single day, ever, nobody's ever happy with, with making what magic doing. happen, like keeping this all together. So yeah. yeah. So there are there are there are very demanding, difficult uh, jobs, and sometimes I will say that what is demanding and difficult for you may not be demanding and difficult right. for me. Exactly. So. For yeah. example, um, we both very much enjoy public speaking. I could, uh, there's, you know, there are days when we would do, you know, a full day, you know, nine to five uh, in-person workshop with 40, you know, people in a room. And it, you know, we're teaching, there's exercises, people are running around, uh, there's slides, we had to get there early and set the room up and then afterwards break down. It is a long day. For some people, it would be like an impossible day to do. It would be so much, so demanding, so exhausting. Um, but, you know, I, I can handle that a little bit more because I kind of like doing that kind of work. <clears throat> that, that is a busy day for me, obviously. It's a long day, but it's also a fun day. Um, so, so certain people, uh, you know, like if I said, okay, you have to you know, go up on stage and do public for, speaking for eight hours for eight hours. Some people would be like, I, like I couldn't even do it sure, for two. Make sure everybody's happy. They would go, no, my idea of high stress. Yeah. Yeah. So there's individual differences about what work is considered tiring, what work is stressful. Yep. And then there are the cultural differences. So yeah. we're here in America, which um, is generally in sort of the, I don't, I don't know. What do we call like the uh, Europe and the United States and Canada these days? We call them Europe, the United States and Canada. That's such a long, long term. But I think, you know, the, I, I don't know. I mean, it's typically been called Western. Yeah. As if we gotta, we gotta move on from that. But that I don't no know. Sense. But you um, know, I think expectations of what's normal for work stress I think that has changed in the U.S. in the last couple of years. Well, of course. And, well, I was going to say, so compared to the other, I don't know, should I say you know, NATO, Atlantic, North Atlantic, something? I don't, I, I don't know. Compared, compared to Europe, a lot of European countries, not all. Well, yeah, basically all. Um, not all. But uh, Americans are just dogged workers, uh, you know, there are many people who get two weeks vacation a year versus, you know, the mandatory six that you would get in many places in Europe. 
Uh, a lot of Americans work more than 40 hours a week. That is a pretty normal occurrence. Um, it, it's, it is a level of work intensity that isn't um, matched in Europe. Now, compared, of course, then, so, so, so that's, that's, you know, America, where people do work hard. But then compare that to uh, a, a more up-and-coming country, like a Indonesia, like a China, like a Vietnam, where people are putting in, you know, 10-hour work days, six days a week at, you know, some factory making jeans or smartphones or, you know, little metal screws or whatever they're working, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it is incredible. Uh, anyone who's ever done uh, farm work with any of the migrant laborers here in the United States from Central America, I mean, it's, it is awe-inspiring how, um, how much effort they can exert in a day, uh, how quick and efficient they are um, to do difficult tasks just over and over and over again. Um, so there, I mean, so in the United States, there's sort of a cultural, like, yeah, you work a lot, dot, 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 but maybe you don't, you're not like physically pushing yourself to the brink. Like there's a lot of work in the United States, but it's often like checking emails, being on a lot of calls, um, that kind of thing versus the physical, you know, press this button 10,000 times a day over and over and over and over and over again, which is another type of like very difficult, demanding, probably another, another level yeah. uh, of difficult and demanding work. So um, there are cultural differences depending on the, on mm -hmm. the country about what, what the expectation is that mm -hmm. you are supposed to do for the money that you're sort of getting. Mm -hmm. And I know, I mean, for myself, it just depends on the money. I probably would work in a factory and press a certain button over and over and over and over again if I was making a certain amount of money. That would be a lot. <laughs> More than they were probably paying. <laughs> uh, would add a lot of zeros to whatever that is, right? I mean, I'm... Whereas I would probably to, say, nope, I don't need that much money. I'm not doing it. Though, I mean, you're you're in a different stage in your career, so you know, there's, there's that too. Um, but you know, yeah, if you were trying to support your family and if, if, if you were able to support a lot of people by pressing this button over. Okay. And over and over. All right. So, but let's, can we talk about this in terms of like the kind of like UX people or design people or. Yes. So, so, so the first thing is then just this, this, like, there is a lot of variability. And I don't think that there is a right or wrong answer. Okay. Necessarily, you know? Um, it's Some people like to work hard. Some people like to work smart. Uh, some people don't like to work much at all. There's, I don't think there's a right answer to any of this. Um Okay, I, can I ask a theoretical question? Yeah, of course. If you don't think there's a right answer to any of this, why did you pick it as today's podcast episode topic? Oh, I mean, I don't think there's a right answer for, like, society. Okay. But for an individual, there's probably okay. going to be a okay. right answer. Yeah. 
So, like, for example, like, you know, maybe in the United States 15 years ago, there was a, um, like, working yourself sort of ragged. That's, that's like, that's like an admirable thing, admirable thing to do in some capacity that, that really shows dedication. Um, whereas maybe that's still kind of true, but like a little less so there seems to be a little bit more like, yeah, wow, you, you work some and then, but like, 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 uh, people who say, Hey, I'd like from six to eight, 6 PM to 8 AM, I do not check my phone. I do not answer work emails. Yeah. You know, I, I take that as personal space. That's sort of like, wow, good, good for you. Way to set boundaries. So I think, I think in the, whereas maybe 20 years ago in the U.S., that would have been looked at like, wow, you don't really care about. You don't company. care enough. You're not, you're not, a hard you're not ambitious. You're not ambitious. So, so I do think um, that has changed a little bit. Uh, and so all I'm trying to say is I don't think there's a right or wrong answer as to whether we society should be, you know, trying to get people to work really hard. Or be like, hey, but, no, you uh, should okay, spend but I, I want to inject a little different take on this. May I? Uh, yeah, you can do whatever you want. It's your podcast. <laughs> that <laughs> seems a little passive aggressive, Bethany. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. Because I know last week you did the podcast by yourself and you were really thrilled with that because I wasn't around to, to tell you what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> All right. Well, the, no, but here's a, a point I want to make and maybe yeah. get your take on it. I think when you're talking about things like UX work, design work, the kind of work that we do and we mentor others who are doing it, I think there's there's a question about quantity and type and quality of the work. And I think, you know, you can take someone doing UX research, UX design, whatever, and you can just, you know, it can be there can be deadlines and there can be stress and they got to do this and they got to do that. And, and you can sustain that over a period of time. And then, you know, putting aside the question of, is it too much work for that individual or do they like working that much and so on. I think if you stretch people thin in terms of their time and their energy, they can't give their best thought. So I think there's a, you also have to think about the quality of the work. For sure. Um, you know, if you're, I, I, and I, this is something I know, you know, you know, we've been dealing with, with some of our clients, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, you can have everybody working on two to three projects at a time and they're smart people and they're hardworking people and they'll do it and they'll even do it and leave time for their personal life. But if if you only had them working on one project at a time instead of three, would the quality of the work, would the insights of the work, would the would the designs be better? Would the research be better? You know, I think you have to think about those trade offs on a like on a department basis, and and you uh, those are the important decisions. So this is the this is the European sort of work argument. There are many nations in Europe and probably other other places in the world, but we'll just stick with Europe because that's what I know. Where 
Um, there are often large lunch breaks. You know, here in the United States, a lot of people, you know, eat at their desk. They have a working lunch. Um, but in many places in Europe, you know, 10 o'clock, hey, it's time to go get some coffee. And everyone goes and takes a big break. And it's like, okay, it's noon, lunchtime. They go and sit in a cafe and have coffee. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. There's they like, don't get they... coffee to go and then walk <laughs> back to their desk. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it, is, it is a much, much more time relaxed work and just a, and maybe just a generally relaxed work environment where the idea that, hey, we have to get a ton done today. We got to go, 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 go. And a lot of European countries is not like that. However, just because they are working 15% less hours, the quality of the, or the amount of work that they get done and maybe the quality of it, the value, the value that they're creating yeah. is not 15% yeah. less. It's like 3% less, you know? So there is some sort of diminishing uh, returns when you grind, 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 grind. And pr a lot of that is probably because, um, as we know, from a brain science perspective, multitasking has a penalty. There is a penalty uh, for to multitasking. Um, yeah, every time you switch, because it's actually task switching. Task switching, yeah. Exactly. Every time yeah. you switch, you lose a small percentage of focus and therefore a small percentage of productivity. So, uh, so that can really add up. So having, uh, you know, if you think about, if you really want to, if you're behind on a project, almost the best way to get ahead on the project counterintuitively is to work on it less, but just do it all at once. Have one day, we're going to get all the stakeholders, all the people involved into a room, and we're going to have a full day brainstorming working session. Or and even, or even uh, you know, one of the things that, or even just for me, I need to work on this design, or I need to work on this research data analysis. And I'm gonna block off, block off, yeah, a day, three so, hours, so much, two you know, hours. for so many people, and we see this with our clients. There's meetings and meetings and meetings and meetings and meetings, and so now I have, you know, one hour today to work on this, and then tomorrow I might have one more hour, and yeah, rather than just saying, you know, I'm not available for meetings on Wednesday and Thursday next week. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, this this is a this is a function of uh, modern society's obsession with email and with virtual meetings. Yeah. Um, I, I think it used to be that, you know, meetings were maybe an hour and people were really worked through stuff at sort of a mostly wasting of time space. And over the last decade or two, there's been like, a, well, let's stop wasting space. Let's just have, let's make the meeting shorter. Let's make them tighter. Um, and so, you know, meetings went from an hour to 30 minutes. Everything was 30 minutes. Uh, oh but instead of having less meetings, they just became more, more meetings. I know. And now and now some uh, companies are moving to 15-minute meetings. So oh there's, just even, there's just even more, more, more meetings. And um, the one of the consequences of this is that you now have, you know, back, back in the day, you would, you know, before you could easily schedule a meeting, meetings were at like the same time every week because it was difficult to schedule. And now you just throw an email together and send out an invite and you can have meetings at any old time. Well, the consequence of that is that instead of having, you know, 
you know, I have a meeting at, you know, my Tuesday, 10 a.m., and then my Tuesday, you know, 3 p.m., those are my two out big meetings today. So I have, you know, two hours in the middle of the day that's always free to work on projects. Well, now I have half an hour here, and then you have a 15-minute over there, and then we have an hour-long thing over here. And, and so the ability to get an entire team in a room just for two hours to work on something is difficult. So everything becomes half-an-hour meetings, so it's easier to shuffle around. Well... The consequence of that is that instead of ha having a full two hours to work on something, brainstorm right. something, get through something, focus on something, really dive in, j just when your brain gets wrapped around it, you know, after 20 minutes, it's like, okay, now on to the next thing. Now on to the next thing. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't think these things, okay, uh, I don't think this is. these are small things. I think this is big. And it's impacting the level of productivity. I think it's impacting the amount of stress. And I think it's impacting the quality of the work. And it, it can be, depending on your corporate culture, it can be, and, and even your individual uh, habits, can be hard to change. So, um, you know, some of this can, can be helped by, for instance, an entire department saying, you know, okay, we're not going to have meetings on particular days or something like that. But I think a lot of it has to be, I don't know. I, I try to change this individually and it's hard. <clears throat> you feel like you're working against a tide, you know, the tide is coming towards you meetings, 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 you know, chop up your day. And you're like pushing against it, you know, tr trying desperately to save a block of time on your calendar. Um, so it, it isn't, it isn't necessarily easy. And I think you have to kind of, you know, put your foot down and, and block it off. It would be much easier if, you know, the whole group or the department, if not the whole corporation but just your you know design group if you could agree to try some of these things but i think that's that could be that could be difficult yeah so i mean ideally the way so, so yeah this is this is the I, I guess if you want to call it the sort of uh, european argument of work which is have a more relaxed pace but then when you do, you will have more ideas, better ideas, faster. And you're not really going to lose out. You're in, in fact, you know, maybe you're even, maybe your idea is even better. Maybe the, the end result is even better than if you're flying around, uh, you know, you're, 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 you're uh, doing a bunch of, you're, you're, I, guess the, I guess one would say you're working harder, not smarter. Is perhaps another view. Well, and I, you know, the cu the cultural differences are huge. I know, yes. you know, you and I have had these conversations with people based in Europe, and, and they kind of just tilt their head and look at us quizzically, like, uh, why, why, you know, why would you do it that way? You know, like it, the whole idea of, um, like, I remember a conversation I had with someone in Portugal, and they were like but 
family always comes first. You know, it was like they just couldn't even, you can't possibly work that much because then your family time, you know, to them it was like not even a question. Like how can you, how can you even consider it, right? And uh, so I think there are these these cultural differences, but and, and but I do think okay. Again, I'm going to pull us back, and you can resist. I think for any of the people out there who are listening, who are, for instance, a, a UX manager, uh, or you know, and and in your your one of your roles is to schedule people on work i mean i i think you have to push i know um you know i've seen situations where it's been the rule to work on multiple projects and multitask and be split up from here to there and then when you try and change that even the people who complained about it you know resist the change right uh it's like, what? I'm only going to work on one thing at a time. That sounds boring, you know. So, I think you you sometimes you have to really push it to make it happen. And I don't uh, know that that's always easy to do. So, how? Okay. So, what are some signs and symptoms then of? If you are uh, switching too much, if you are pushing too hard, you may lose out on some of the efficiency that you get because you're doing too many things, you're switching too many times, or yeah. you're, you're too mentally fatigued. This um, reminds me of, so you're asking what are the signs and symptoms that that's going on? Yes. This reminds me of like in those in those medical things, like, the invisible killer. You know, you don't realize that this, oh. <laughs> that you are, you are, you know, you don't show any signs or symptoms, but actually what's really going on. A lot of, I've seen a lot of uh, public service announcements for shingles recently. On the, yeah, uh, just like on the, the right, this is a virus hidden, hidden in your body. Waiting it may, to awaken. Waiting to, to uh, do these horrible things to you. So I kind of feel like um, it's a, sometimes it's a, it's a little bit of that. But first let's talk about the really obvious things. So uh, first of all, you know, the research is pretty clear that task switching a lot literally makes you tired. I mean, it actually makes you yes, tired. Well, so that would be one thing. Exists. Right. So I would say if you find that at the end of the day, you're, mentally and physically exhausted, or if you find that you can't make it through to the end of the day without the coffee hits, you know, several coffee hits in the uh, afternoon. Every, like like 75% of everyone listen, listening said, I, I, I couldn't make it through my day without coffee regardless. Well, okay, wait a minute. I'm a fan <laughs> of coffee. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not saying coffee is a bad thing, but if what you've, you know, I drink one cup of very strong coffee uh, in the morning. But if what I'm saying is if you find 
not, it's not like, oh, let's take a coffee break. Wouldn't that be fun? If it's like, I'm not going to make it through to the end of the day. I'm so tired. It's two o'clock and I'm so mentally and physically exhausted. I got to go get some more coffee. Then to me, that's a sign that, you know, you're too tired. Um, so I think being tired, being exhausted, feeling the stress, feeling that, uh, I can't do my best work. I can't do even good work. You know, I got so many deadline pressures and things going on. I got to get this draft survey put together for this project and that, you know, the meeting is tomorrow and I have to do it. I haven't had time to really work on it. So I'm just going to throw something together. You know, sometimes that's okay. But if that's what you're feeling all the time, that you're kind of drowning in the, in the workload and drowning in the tasks and that you're not able to do your best work, those are signs. Those are definite signs. All of that are definite signs that you're being stretched too thin. So I don't know. Does that answer your question? But I do I think, think I, I do think well three, that sometimes it's not obvious. So I think, you know, the other thing, you know, okay, I'm going to take a small digression because what I think is really interesting about the work for those of us who do, you know, UX work, design work, where we're part of a team or, um, you know, we have an internal stakeholder. We're not in, often we're not in control of that work, right? We are assisting, we're guiding. And so it feels the, like the, a the lot of- The project is moving along the tracks. The project deadlines is Deadlines moving... that we do not have control over with stakeholders who are making decisions that we with do not schedule, have With the schedule, you know, yeah. the software team, the software developers are moving forward and they need you to, they need an answer on this design and they need, you know. So, and, and I think the majority of the work that we do, if not all of it, is like that. And so that's a particular stress in and of itself because you have accountability for the quality of the work and you have no authority about how you do it. I mean, that's a, that's a, you know, recipe for exhaustion. So I think you're, we you're have to in, um, you're, acknowledge you're set up for failure. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it's at least a setup for, um, less than optimal quality of work at, you know, at the very least. And it, and, and then it inches towards, you know, failure. So, um, and that's the nature of the work that we do and the nature of the teams that we're involved in. So I think because of that, it means we, you know, again, if that's the kind of role, UX research, UX design, if that's the kind of role that you play, it means you have to be on top of this issue of quantity of work and and how the work is being done because no one else you know except maybe if you have a really smart UX manager who knows about this and tries to set it up so to 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 mitigate some of this but no one else on that team is going to say you know the stakeholder or the software developers or anyone else are not going to come to you and say I think if maybe you had a little less work to do, the quality of your work would be better. No, nobody's, 
they're not even thinking about it. Not that they're bad people. They're just not going to think about it. So it's up to you. You know, you've got to, you've got to try and take care of this. And this is where, I mean, the other thing that comes into play here, I think, is, I mean, this is my tactic, is I push the other people. It's like, you know, if I don't have authority, then I'm going to go back to the people who do. And I'm going to force them to make a decision. It's like, okay, you want these 10 projects worked on, and I have this UX team, and they can't work on those 10 projects. There's not enough resources. So you got to either give me more resources or you have to prioritize the work because we can't do all of this. It's not going to happen. And, and, you know, my attitude is, you know, I'd, we want to do quality work. We want to do the most important work. But that's not up to me. So you how, have to tell me. So how do you balance that then with maybe a corporate culture uh, where like, and I think in a lot of companies, once you once we're getting into the se- uh, senior principal, UX researcher, X or Y, like, like there is the way you get promoted and the way you kind of move up in a lot of organizations is that everyone sort of likes you. You make connections and you just say yes all the time. That's how when they think about promotions, like, oh, look at all the great work so-and-so has been doing because you've made a lot of stakeholders happy by just they wanted X and you gave them X. Um, it's, it's usually... Uh, that or you've been associated with some sort of product that was successful or like like usually the people who are not being promoted it's not like so and so has done consistently good work for a long period of time <laughs> what what a does it perfect fantastic no it's, yeah, it's no, usually standing out in some way by making things happen in a tight spot but here's the thing i think there are two things that are, that go on that make this easier than you might think. One is that typically your stakeholder doesn't understand what you do or how you do it. No. And and they just want results. Right? So you can just, you know, speak to that. You know, they what is it they want? You know, they want a high quality product and they want it to go out by a certain time frame. So, uh, you know, I just, I speak to that. It's like, okay, you want a high quality product and you want it released on time. And, and I, I'm telling you that with the resources we have, you know, I, there's not, you gotta, you gotta choose because we just don't, we it can't be done. So, you know, I think just speaking to, you know, tying, not going into detail of it, you know, I think it's useless for the most part to say, oh, but if you want this high quality product, we have to do this and this and this and this and that, yeah, because they don't understand what you're doing. So I think it's more a matter of just, you know, again, pushing for prioritization and making sure they know that you guys have the same goals. So that's one thing. But the other thing I think that's really powerful is the whole question of UX strategy. Um, I think 
a lot of UX people tend to be perfectionists. I think that's there's something about the work and the kind of people that go into the field. And they really, you know, they know, you know, anybody who's been in UX for a while, we know what needs to happen to to do whatever it is, research or design for this product to do it well. Like we know, but the chances of being able to do all of those things and in the right order are, are pretty slim. So, you know, given what you know about this project and given what's important and given the resources and all of that, what should you really do and concentrate on what's, what's critical and what can be let go of. And sometimes, you know, even after you do that, it's still, we don't have enough time and resources. And again, that's when you have to go back to the stakeholder and say, I can do this, but I'm telling you, we're not, it's not highest quality or it's not going to happen in the deadline. You know, what do you want to do? Um, but I think, you know, we have to let go of always doing things perfectly. And we have to decide, given what's going on, you know, here's the best stuff we can do within a reasonable amount of resources and time. You know, I, I think that's the nature of the work that we do. Um, maybe that's unfortunate, but I just think that's reality. Uh, and so, so you think there's a line that can be threaded between work? Because you, I mean, you may make people mad because they're stressed and under a deadline, and they need this from you, and you say no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I'm in a, I'm in a. Uh, well, okay. Two comments about that. One is that. I'm fortunate. I'm an external consultant. You know, I mean, it is true that I might make so many people mad at me that I lose the client. That rarely happens, but it's not unheard of. Uh, but I, it's not like I have to worry about my long-term career with this organization. Because the worst that's going to happen is I'm going to lose them as a client and then I'm going to go get another client. So, you know, that's the wonderful advantage of being an external consultant. And, and also I think you're that they're brought in to be the, the voice of God in some capacity. Well, you're brought in because you're an expert and they don't have to listen to you. And many well, times so they when don't. the expert says no, you know, yeah. that, that carries. Well, then you weight. can just say, Hey, not, we're done with that expert. Or you can say, oh, well, the expert said no. So I, I think that I think it's tougher when you're inside an organization. But having said that, I want you to think about in your, you know, if people listening, you know, think about the people in your organization that do, you know, make it make move forward and move up in the organization. And although there are some, and Guthrie, you know, we know there are some organizations where the culture is <clears throat> And this is not true for all organizations by any means, but there's some where the culture is, you know, don't make waves, don't get people upset, be nice and all of that. But even within those organizations, if you look at the people that are moving up, they're not, they're not usually the people that say yes to everything. They're not. No. They're the people who 
say yes to some things and then push back on some things because they have because they're smart and because they're thinking about the important stuff like the quality of the work or what can really be accomplished. I think in almost any organization, it's likely that not that you just stand there and cross your arms and say, no, I refuse to do that. You know, I'm not saying to do that, but if you can come back and say, look, I, I think this plan is not, it's not going to, you know, what you want is the you know, high quality product by, you know, this date. And I don't think this plan is going to get us there. And I, I have an alternate idea. So I, um, I think you can get ahead by by negotiating that. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I don't think saying yes to everything someone wants is a good idea a lot of the time. And I think um I think you're you're uh, you know the the way you're viewed in the company can be enhanced by saying no in the right way. And and I'm telling you this is hard I've been this has been really hard for me personally because I'm a conflict avoider, I'm a need approval kind of person, I'm a, I want everyone to be happy, I want everyone to like me, um, you know, that's the worst combination of stuff if you're going to be in the, in, you know, a consultant. Uh, so I've had to, I've had to learn how to do this over the years, you know, but I have, I have to say, I've, I've 95% of the time, uh, or more. I the whole thing, me, my role in the organization, the work, is much more successful when when I say, okay, guys, this isn't this isn't going to work. And the times when things have really fallen apart and become a disaster, or when I see the the warning signs. In fact, I, Guthrie, I I did a presentation years ago at. I think it was the UPA conference, Usability Professional Association, before they became the UXPA, when they the, their name used to be UPA. I did a, a talk on the seven secrets of successful consulting. Three I liked S's. all the uh, I liked all the alliteration. It was fun. <laughs> anyway, I did um, a talk on that because what happens is you see these warning signs, and if you ignore them, the whole thing will blow up it will just all blow up and be a big mess. So it's just not, you know, when you know this isn't, this isn't going to work, you're not set up to do the work you need to do, you might as well bring it up because otherwise it's all going to blow up. By the way, can I do a little aside here? Guthrie, yes. you know you're going to say yes, right? Yeah. So when I gave that talk, this was so long ago, but I remember it was really unusual because I didn't use PowerPoint slides. I hooked up my iPad to the projector. And this at the time was unheard of. Like nobody did this. And there was even like a ripple through the crowd and people posting saying, she's, she's doing the talk 
by writing on an iPad. And so I just had my iPad and I just, it was the seven, seven secrets. And I just wrote, you know, number one, and then I wrote it and then we talked about it. And then number two, and that was the entire presentation was just me scribbling in my bad handwriting on the iPad. It was, you were, you were playing with form at the time. It was really fun. You were playing. I should do that more often. They were all, I had everyone's attention because they were like, what's she going to write next? Will I be able to read her handwriting? This definitely time? not. Yeah, that was a problem. <laughs> and writing, this was also back in the day when writing iPad, iPad you did not have a good stylus. This was when the iPads had first come out. But it was fun. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I think I think that's, that's, that's all pretty good advice. Um, it do you what what are your uh last question for you what are your yeah. thoughts about then the future of work i know in the pandemic things got really slow or really busy and everyone was working from home and like being on calls while they were also you know playing video games or playing with their pet or doing whatever they were doing off camera um do, do you think the cat is out of the bag when it comes to work do you think that, I mean, I do wonder if it's like sort of like a, like a dog chasing its tail where people are less productive because they're not in person. And so because they're not in person, they're on more meetings and stuff that they don't really care about and isn't like crucial to their work. And because they're in all these meetings that aren't crucial, they're not paying attention. And because they're not paying attention, the meetings are not as productive. And because the meetings are not productive, there's more meetings. Okay, wait a minute. Which What's just the is enhancing here? the cycle. So, like, I, I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, do you think that moving forward, I mean, the, this, the, the pandemic, working from home, in some ways it's kind of coming, people are coming back to the office. In some ways that people will never come back to the office. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... Do, do you think that this is something that in, you know, five, 10 years, people are going to adapt that the, the work kind of cultures will adapt to and figure out like, like find, I mean, you'd like to think that, you know, in whatever capitalism efficient, blah, 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 that it, companies figure out that, Hey, we have too many, you know, before we, we we're, 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 we're having too many meetings. People are too fractured. People are, we, you know, you, if we look at our productivity, you know, we're actually not getting as much done, even though there's more meetings than ever. So let's, let's actually have, you know, if we have less meetings, then maybe, you know, some startup will be like, we have no, we have one meeting a week and everyone just works on their own thing. We, we, we used to, there were startups that sort of did that, you know, just work oh, on whatever you want. There's all kinds of edicts coming down. Like, wasn't it Spotify that came down and said there can be no, no more recurring meetings with? It, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, so companies are going to try something, and then there'll be a book, and it'll be you right. know kind of become in vogue again, and then that'll trickle through. So, uh, but so do you, do you think that there we're getting sort of to a, a a you know pendulum sort of shift back towards actually? we should have fewer meetings and people should just work on like one project really intensely uh, and then not be bouncing around as much because part of the reason that people are bouncing around so much is that um, 
a lot of stuff has been tied in with Agile and Pies and Scrums and Sprints. And, you know, so the, 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 the whole point of Agile in a lot of ways is let's, instead of working forever on one project, we are going to put a line in the sand and say, we're done with this project or this part of the project here, and then we're moving on to the next one. And for some organizations, that's really fantastic because, you know, it's like, hey, we know that we, <laughs> here's our hard deadline. We have to get this done. And then like decisions get made and the decisions are fine. And then they, the company ends up being more productive, which is why Agile get, has been thrown in everywhere. Um, so, I mean, there is a, it, it is having all these projects happening and, you know, if you have five times as many projects happening because you're on a quick sprint pie thing instead of like the two year we're re, we're redoing this app and it's going to be a two year waterfall big whatever the way maybe it was done in the 90s or something you know now over those two years we're doing 50 little projects um, well that that means that now you if you have the same number of UX resources or maybe a little bit more you know, now each person is working on like six different projects because there's all these teams and squads and things going on and, you know, sprints and uh, blah, blah, blah. So that that is to say, right? So like, do you think that, you know, we've been sliding one way in the pendulum, which is more fractured, smaller projects, fast, 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 MVP, roll, 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 go, go, go. Do you think at some point, at least in the UX, there'll be some sort of pendulum switchback? Because I'm not sure that there necessarily will be anytime soon. There seems to be a disgust for the number of meetings and a disgust for how not productive all the meetings are. But that's sort of what happens when you have a million projects because each project needs a meeting. And in fact, in most agile plans there are standard meetings you know at the beginning of the sprint and at the at the middle and the end of the sprint the and daily then you have scrum to have and then you have the oh right. yeah so so built in to the framework are all these meetings yes. and so if you have a lot of projects and you're doing and you're working at a high cadence it just just by sheer existing yeah. you're going to yeah. have a lot of meetings so how do how how does the industry get out of this tangle that it's in I, I mean, or will it not? I mean, maybe I'm just pessimistic, but <clears throat> I don't think necessarily there's going to be a pendulum switch. And I don't think, you know, I don't, what's the phrase, you know, I, I don't know what the phrase is, but I don't, back think, in the tube. I don't think anybody's Cat minding the, the store. You know, I don't think anybody's looking at, I'm sure there are productivity experts out there, you know, you know God bless you. But I don't see anybody, you know, really saying we're going to stop and figure out the best way for all of us to work together and we're going to reconfigure the way we're working together. <clears throat> I, oh, I don't I see that. You do? You think people yeah, are doing Companies that? are reconfiguring how they work together constantly and it's just shuffling chairs on the deck. Okay, so... There, all right, okay, now these are teams it. are together. Or no, we're yeah, going to okay, break these right, teams apart. Right. But I don't and, see it having any kind of impact. Well, people complain about the number of meetings. They, people complain a lot about the number of meetings. Um, I think... Uh, so... I don't know. 
There seems um, to be a general fatigue and disgust with the number of There meetings. does. There does. And and rightly so. And I guess I guess you know, I don't have an answer about how to fix it. I guess right now my answer is uh, take charge of your own of your own calendar and just, you know, stop the insanity. Um I don't know if it's going to happen happen corporate wide or even department wide, but I think people do are, are tired of it, as you said, and I think they do recognize that the impact on the quality of their work and and the increase in the stress. Um, I just don't know if I see people making actually making changes to it, and and it's uh. You know, maybe, I mean, I, I'm a fan of collaboration, but I think maybe we've gone too far that way and we don't well, appreciate. Well, I don't think it's, I think the problem is it's not collaboration. Well, so, it's seen as being collaboration. Well, I think too, too often a lot of these, a lot of the stuff is getting approval from stakeholders. So I have to present for this small piece because I've been working on it and I need you to approve the direction that this small piece is going. And then once I have approval there, then I have to go to this other team and get be like, okay, we've got approval from so-and-so and this is how we're going to integrate it in the blah, blah, blah. And then they go to someone else. It's like, okay, here's the plan for the next one. Yeah, like, yeah. like there is a lot of like, I need approval from well, someone. And there's a lot of having the meeting before the meeting before the meeting. Which is so all of this is not necessarily collaboration, which is not let's all get on a call and we're gonna and, brainstorm and work together ideas. to do this thing. Yeah. We're gonna like yeah, like okay, yeah. like what do we know about so and so? Like how what are some you know, yeah, what are what are some options that we could go through? And it's it's a it's a lot more presentations, uh, getting buy in yeah. right, um, right. uh, sort of, you know, and then and then you know, working on some ideas a little bit for, you know, 10, 15 minutes versus like a okay, two-hour Okay, well, I wonder, um, yeah, so I don't have an answer for any of this. I do wonder, someone um, the other day sent me, oh, shoot, what's it called? It, it wasn't Zoom, but it was another letter besides Z and then O-O-M. It wasn't Noom. That's the weight loss thing. It was... Tomb? No, it was something else. Is this the worst world game of all time? No, no, no. It was something where it was a really quick and easy. It was a very quick and easy tool for uh, adding in, you know, it was just like your camera's on, your microphone's on, your screen, it's capturing your screen, and you just do a little three-minute video walking through, Noom. okay, here's what I worked on. But it was like really quick and really easy. And then as soon as you were done with it, you could send it to a group of people and you could say, here's the, here's the, here's what I did. And here's the next step. I could, I could see maybe some kind of very easy, very well-designed app where you could just do a little video and then it would have a little poll and it would go out to everyone and everyone could just say, you know, yeah, I saw it, and it's good. No, this go, used to be going. called email, and you would email the plan of what was happening out to a group, and then people would say, looks good. But now everyone got now so you have inundated to have a with meeting. emails. 
Right. When people don't want to read their emails. But that's what I mean. If there could be just something and it was quick and you could watch. It was called a memo. And a secretary would write up what you say. Okay, I get it. it. But that's what I think that maybe. And then we then you wouldn't need a meeting. It's just like, here's 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 the next step. I'm serious, though. It, you, that's that's how email used to work, and that and email did. was just a replacement for the memo, which right. is here's what I'm doing, here's the plan, here's what I need to tell you. Right. We're not having a meeting. I am sending yeah. you this so you understand. So that's here's what I. That's where I think we should go. I mean, to me, that would be back to the future. A a, a small interim step to get us out of this. So like so, a mo- it's basically a modern memo with video. Yeah. Modern memo that's easy to create and then, you know, again, attached to some kind of feedback form so that if people wanted to say, great, I saw it or looks good, but, you know, can we change the survey or something? You know, just that people could comment on it very easily, very quickly without having to open Miro and draw a box, which makes me crazy. Um <laughs> Or any of you know, you've never really figured me around. I have such a hard would if someone you know, I use Miro every day. Okay, I'm gonna uh, that'll be the next episode. My complaint (laughs) I use Miro every day, and every day it's like, could someone please tell me what is the how do I get rid of this row in the table? Or how do I move the row in the table from this table to that you table? You have so much trouble. There's always some little Zero. thing I'm trying to do. Trying to change the color. That seems impossible. It's like, okay, it's a mind map, but I don't want the mind map to be attached here. I want it attached. And I have to now go and look online and for a tutorial. Yeah. That tool makes me crazy. All right, Guthrie, we managed to use up an entire hour, which we're very good at. Another hour of uh, you listeners' time gone. Another hour gone. I hope you spend it And I have to go because I have a meeting. No, just kidding. (laughs) We 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 do have a meeting in 45 minutes. I have a meeting in 10 minutes. (laughs) You're at the top of the hour? Yeah. Oh, my God. See, now... It, yeah, we should, we should, uh, I mean, I, one last thought. What if, what? what if you said, like, for my day, I have two types of meetings. Yeah. You can only schedule me. Yeah. For 10 minutes or yeah. two hours. Yeah. You know, like, like either it's just a quick, how you doing? Right. Or. Or we're working on something. Two-hour working session. Nothing in between. No one hours. No 45 minutes. I like it. Not even 15. Just 10 minutes or two hours. You know, it's really, uh, yeah. And I know there are tools where you can set up your calendar and then people can go there and pick a slot. Depends on the organization. But... Those are hard to use, and that's not tied into my Microsoft account, and blah, 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 blah. So if we could get these tools, I, I like that idea, Guthrie, but the setting it up, I would find daunting. Uh, yeah, it's not. Yeah, nothing. The it's not easy, not, and it should be easy. So, you know, Microsoft is doing all this stuff with Copilot. Maybe they could make this easy. 
maybe I could just say to to Mr. Copilot or Ms. Copilot, can I give my copilot a name? Maybe I can just say to Henry, my copilot. It was named Copilot. Clippy. Maybe I can just say. I think there is a name. Maybe I can just say, hey, Henry, set up all my meetings can only be 10 minutes or two hours. Thank you. Goodbye. Henri? Oh, it's Henri. Yes, yes. You can you can make it a sort of a French assistant. <laughs> All right. Hey, Guthrie, okay. thanks for the conversation. I, we didn't yeah. solve anything, but... You um, barely coughed at all. I think that's No, great. I coughed a lot. I just put myself on mute. Didn't no, you, you know this? A, compared to how much you were coughing uh, last week, I, I think this is... You think like I'm you getting were doing better? long sort of soliloquies on, on, on t- sort of topics without coughing. So I think I think that's great progress. All right. All right. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.